Cal's back from the sea. How was the sea? Yeah, it was cold. It will be. Yeah, like it's, really it's cold here as well. But really it wasn't cold. The sea. Yeah, it got down to like minus eight, I oh, think, oh, and lovely. windy, bracing. Yeah, fifty mile an hour winds. It was good. Well, we're safe indoors, and it's you know it's reasonably it's mild warm now. Out. It's like ten out. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, let's do a podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Space Jam Continuum, the show where we try to make a cohesive cinematic universe out of something that was never meant to be one. I'm Chris McLennan. I'm Carl Noble. And it's the year of the pig, Carl. It is the year of the pig. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Porky Year. Happy New Porky Year. Like, maybe this will be the time where we see him return. Maybe. Well, because it's not the year of the pig in the No, year. I mean this. Oh, this? Right, okay, <laughs> right. You, you, you think 2019, 2019 is going to be the year of Porky? They're relaunching Looney Tunes. Yeah. And Mary Melody's cartoons with thus extending the lifeblood of our podcast. <laughs> Amazing, because they're re-released. They're, they're releasing more Looney Tunes, and you know, Space Jam Two's been knocking about in the background somewhere for a while. It's bound to happen. So, so, bound so to happen. Like we've got, we've got this. This will run and run. Yeah, uh, years of it. But uh, we look back to when previous, you know, Year of the Pigs yep. were. Uh, the most t- most appropriate to our timeline was 1947, yeah. which we're seeing as a sort of ironic year of the pig because that's sort of the year after the the fall of Porky. Yes, Tokyo, yeah, and you know when Porky's sort of well, it, lamb. Yeah, it was kind of the rise of like Porky the Fourth, wasn't it? I mean, it's I think it's after because Porky the Fourth sort of rose during Porky Topia. Yeah, like but yeah, so 40, 47, you know, is actually a very Porky Pig dead year. So I think I think. It was almost in in spite of him. Okay. It's like, oh, it's the year of the pig. The old year of the pig. Because finally we don't have to look upon this despot with shame. <laughs> I'll Congratulations you, but, to all our pig brothers. But we have seen them coming back slowly. We have. Uh, but, you, know. you know, too early. Not for another year of the pig. Yeah. We've got some time to wait. But I'm a bit worried about this uh, 2019. How worried, though? Like... Well, I don't know. I mean, do, only time do, will tell. Do you think we need to stop prepping or we're going to start seeing random portal Until openings? Until I start watching some of these new Looney Tunes, yeah. which unfortunately, uh, given the rules of our podcast... We can't is, for a while. Is what can only be described as fucking ages away. <laughs> I won't really know. Yeah. And without our vigilance, I, I fear his rise to power once more. Oh. The second coming of Porky. Well, we don't know. It's the, the second. There could have been loads. We're well, that is, in, yeah, we're, 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 we're actually in 1950. Don't know. We are in 1950. Speaking of 1950, let's see what we're looking at. Okay. Uh, so uh, last week uh, we saw some uh, Logan's Run esque uh, situations with uh, the Vulture and the Lion. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. A beaky Buzzard. Yeah. Who's still to look at him? This is clearly a Vulture. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. And and then, Andy, <laughs> Andy has the ability to go to the moon. And he has the ability to go to the moon. Uh, and he and he chased Leo the lion there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But so there's a Logan's Run thing going on there, as well as s- some sort of either terraforming of the moon or just different respiratory systems. Yeah, uh, going on there. Uh, we also saw that Daffy Duck is getting back into directing in a 
in an yeah. auteurish way. Yeah, he's writing, he's directing, he's or, starring. Orson Welles, eat your heart out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's where we were last week. We're kicking it in with a Bugs number uh, called Homeless Hair from March 11th, 1950. But also, interestingly, it's on the DVD of White Heat, the James <laughs> movie. So, uh, you know, like, that's that to think about. Yeah, if, if, if you've got have? the White Heat DVD kicking about... Have a little look at the start of it, and you can watch Homeless Hair with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, dig out White Heat. <laughs> dig, dig out White Heat. Treat yourself. <laughs> dig out the James Cagney classic. Uh, so we're watching the Homeless Hair. It's a Bugs Bunny number from March 11th, 1950. <laughs> Okay, so, we have to get to the bottom of something encompassing this whole episode to decide what we think about this episode, I think. Okay. Okay, so, uh, very briefly, the episode entails uh, a guy running a, a building site digging up Bugs' hole. Yes, uh, yeah, his and, exit. And that basically triggering a sort of this means war situation yep. between Bugs and this this big brute builder guy, Hercules. Yep. Uh, I don't know if he's called Hercules or Bugs. But, that, that, yeah, but Bugs is referring to him as that. Uh, and what ensues is basically, you know, them sort of tormenting each other. But Bugs's ploys, both in surviving Hercules's attempts on him and executing his own attempts on Hercules, uh, require clearly an expert level of precision and planning. Yep. Making us think there's a sort of Groundhog Day situation. Yeah, because he, he was nailing a lot of things. Because he was nailing a lot of very, very specific, cha- like Rube Goldberg-esque chains of events. Yeah. Now, the question is, with Bugs and his uh, interdimensional powers through soil, Yeah. by our previous understanding, he'd have been able to just go away when that digger picked him up. Yes. Right? And he didn't. When he went back no. down his hole, I thought he had. And I thought, okay, it works the way we thought it did. Yeah. But then it transpires he's just asleep in the hole in the uh, in the scoop of the digger. Yeah. Now, either Bugs couldn't use his powers for whatever reason, and they work differently to we thought. Yeah. In which case, when did he get this practice in? When's he looping around? Or yeah. he could use his powers and chose not to at that precise moment because he has some reason to torment this Hercules chap. Well, the thing is, we, we have quite a lot of um, kind of past evidence to show how his powers work. Like, yes. we've seen it happen enough times. Go and, through plant pots and things. Yeah, like, like, like this, this is the one time we've seen him not use it in the way we'd expect him to, which makes us think, well, makes me think that he's got an agenda here. Yeah, I mean, there is a... There, there's one third option in my brain that I can't quite think exactly where it would fit, but ultimately that this Bugs that we're looking at here doesn't have the powers and a lot of things were set up by a Bugs with the powers. Possibly. Because some of the sort of Rube Goldberg-esque sort of sequences yeah. 
could be someone else just well, making it. it work. Yeah, because we didn't. Because a lot of it was to do with like cranes and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, putting things in the like right big place. Pipes around. Yeah, we didn't see who over. was driving the cranes, and it also doesn't make sense that it was one of the builders helping bugs out. So yeah, it is very possible that it was future bugs operating all of the machinery. Or yeah, I mean, I still like the idea that it's a Groundhog Dayish sort of thing. But then yeah. we've got to work out what bugs is. What his plan Previous is. beef with this guy is. Well, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily had, like, kind of an issue with this guy per se, because the end of the episode, he was just happy to have his hole back. So he, he altered how the building was built so that he could preserve where his house was, the exit to his, to his house anyway. So, so that's do you think all he, he just wanted. likes getting up in the morning, sticking his head out the hole and looking at the scenery there, and he's annoyed that they've started building a building? Well, it's it's either that or he didn't want the building to be in the shape that it was going to be. So I, like, I'm thinking um, Ghostbusters 1. Right. So the building in Ghostbusters 1 it is, it is being designed by uh, somebody to basically be a channel point yes. for... Uh, kind of spiritual energies so it's very possible that this building is being commissioned by somebody to channel eldritch abilities and just changing the shape of it would be enough stops that and bugs because obviously the, the, the builder has nothing to do he's just following the blueprints yeah but bugs really seems to want to take it out on that guy yeah but that, that but we we know bugs is quite vengeful when like like like, like when somebody's annoys them because he gave the guy a chance. He, he, when he scooped up his house, he scooped up the hole. He said, yeah, oh, he can you just... Yeah. He was in a sort of Arthur Dent situation. Yeah. Can you just point? put me back and we'll call it quits? And, you know, that'd be great. Because that would have stopped them building yeah. the, the I guess the, the guy was there. just like, nah. Yeah. So Bugs at that point went, right, well, if you're going to be a dick about it, I'm going to be a dick about it. And <laughs> Hence I think, the telegram. Yeah. On a brick. Hey, Hercules. <laughs> yeah. Be lobbed at him with a brick and then smacked him in the head with a girder. Yeah, Hercules did not come off well here. I mean, Bugs gets hit with a girder at one point as well. He does, but that's when we see him perform this amazing thing. But again, it is possible that it was a different Bugs that But that is one of the two big Groundhog Day sort of situations. Mm. And my question at that point would be, if you were going to Groundhog Day it... You'd just miss the beam, wouldn't you? Well, no, you just 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 not get hit with a girder. Yeah. Rather than saving yourself post-getting hit with a girder. It it does make sense that it was... um, a different bugs or is it's possible that it was just he knew he was going to get hit with the girder so afterwards he went well we'll just let everything play out the way it was going to play i out, mean maybe he's let it play back. out a good few times in its entirety and, and hit with any timeline where he doesn't get hit with the girder he it, doesn't achieve his goal yeah and get his house back where he wants and he just turns out i don't know for some reason that's like a an anchor point yeah, in time. It's and like, like, I have, I, to, I get have to get hit with that girder. Like, yeah. it's, it just has to happen. Uh, anytime I avoid it, yeah. like, I either get hit with the girder a bit later at a less opportune time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe, it's it... like the, maybe it's like the, uh, the, the time machine where he's, he tries to save his wife over and over yes, again. And, yeah. like, she'll just get killed. Like, yeah, he's a, going to get hit with the girder. time frame yeah. in loads of weird ways. Yeah, he's, he's going to get hit with that girder regardless. And it's very possible that. If he got hit with the girder even a second later, 
not all of those things are going to coincide for him to actually survive wandering about. Yeah, ma- yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I think he like he did Groundhog Day it. Yeah, realized uh, it didn't work. He gets hit with the girder a lot of times. He tries to avoid the girder a lot. He just gets hit with it, and that is the one time he's found where it's just like his dazed self autopilots through just this perfect. Yeah, Every, everything just sinks up. Survival. So that would also give you why he did certain things a certain way up until that point. Yeah. Because he's decided that things. Because that's the only that way way. he gets hit with the girder at that exact moment to allow the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, we've got a few different theories there to play with, but uh, yeah, it's it's that Ghostbusters thing that's really kind of. So you think he's he's wanting to alter the shape of that building because because does he do anything in the episode to specifically alter the shape of the building? Well, he um, he basically makes Hercules call. Like kind of truce, he's like, "Are you going to put my horn back?" And he just waves the white flag, and then at the end, you see the building's there, but there's this narrow channel all the way down, leading to Bugs's hole. Right, all the way down. So he's changed the shape of the building. The, the building doesn't have a flat face anymore. It's got a channel cut out of it, a big semicircular channel all the way down. So do we think, like, maybe viewed from above, it's like it it would be like a perfect elder sign yeah but, but it's actually yeah. got a little well but, notch out yeah. of it but 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 now it's got a cut in it so you know that the, the lines of power are broken i mean it's possible i mean we haven't seen bugs particularly engage that heavily with the the elder side of things with the exception of yosemite sam now how much do we think bugs knows about yosemite sam or is he just uh, up until now has he just been sort of stopping the bad man well I mean, it's because it depends which bugs that is it's very difficult. It, need, yeah, but like Bugs is a really hard one for us to tie we down. Need to get, to, we need a white. We need a whiteboard up in here at all times so we can draw. Yes, imagining Bugs are you primer esque yeah. <laughs> timelines. But see, what I'd be concerned about is actually when we start connecting all the lines up, we are going to see it turn into an elder sign, and then a portal will open. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know the tentacles of Yosemite Sam will. Yeah, or Porky the Third will jump out into our world and take over. It is the year, the year of the pig. Of the pig. <laughs> It's terrifying. Maybe we don't need a whiteboard. Let's move on for now because okay. we don't. We don't have any cement, like you know, concrete reason, like why uh, why bugs would want to particularly be there. We've yeah. got theories, but they are just theories. Yeah. They are ultimately uh, hypotheses. Yeah. Um. So let's move on. Uh, we've got Beaky Buzzard again. Yep. Now just called Beaky, so maybe they've realised he's a vulture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, let's not just call him the buzzard. Uh, it's called Strife with Father, so we're going to get a bit. I think we're going to get a bit of background here. Oh, bit, bit of an origin story. Bit of background to Beaky Buzzard. Um, uh, so we're watching Strife with Father, which is a Beaky Buzzard number from April first, nineteen fifty. So we've got to, you know, just take everything we see here with a pinch of salt. Okay. answers but there's only more questions cal gwendolyn and monty buzzard i mean so, they were sparrows so, they, yeah they were sparrows but let, let's give some background here so like we, we for a while questioned why beaky buzzard is called beaky buzzard because he's, he's clearly, not a buzzard it's clearly a vulture yep. buzzard's uh, very different uh so uh yeah but at the start uh, two two 
older birds, and yep. it's hard to tell their size because you know everything's you know, yeah human. to their size. And like we thought, maybe these are buzzards. They don't look much like buzzards, no. but like maybe they are. It's just because they're like they're a bit tubby because they they're drawn older. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, get a basket dropped off at the door, and it has an egg in it. Big blue and egg. And we were like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe they are buzzards, and maybe yeah. this is going to explain. And it's, it's just that, uh, you know, Beaky is the, the adopted son of some buzzards. But as it went on, they're clearly sparrows. Yeah. They're supposed to be English. Yeah, they're not really they're English. They're nowhere close. Like, no. it's, it's rubbish. Yeah. They are they are German at best, yeah, and definitely American, really. But Gwen, uh, Gwendolyn did mention later on in the episode about learning something in London in the Blitz. So whether or not they like went over there and just spent yeah. some time over there, but I don't know because we because we looked it up to see, you know, specifically what these birds are supposed to be, and yeah. so it's definitely sparrows, yeah, and it does say two very proper English sparrows. It's like. Maybe nah. we just haven't met any proper English people before. Yeah, maybe. So maybe we just maybe, got no frame of reference. Maybe it's because you know we're we're men of the people. Yeah, and <laughs> like, we just mix it about. <laughs> uh, so the episode goes on. The like, Beaky grows to be much bigger. Obviously, oh, than yeah, his parents. Huge, yeah. That's when he went. No, they're not buzzards. Yeah, because they're very small. Uh, and he stops eating his his greens, as yep. uh, Gwendolyn puts it. Uh, and so she gets Monty to basically go out and teach him to, to to forage and hunt. Which seems like an odd choice. Well, I mean, I get... Because it's odd that a sparrow would teach that, but at the same time, if their adopted son isn't eating, it's basically like, well, you're going to have to go and fend for yourself because, you know. Yeah, but it's just odd that like they go, right, rather than going, we'll go out and teach him how to catch worms, it's... Let's go teach them how to catch farmyard fowls. Yeah, I also don't really know... It's a step up. Because Monty's against it, right? Monty can't even stand to hear Beaky's name. Yeah, he, he hates him. him. He hates Beaky. But once he go- agrees to go out, like it is surprising to me that Monty, for some reason, thinks he has what it takes to go and just nick some chickens yeah, from a coop. get the chicken chat. <laughs> it's like you're a sparrow, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... It's like, I'll, I'll sort Because he's not this. doing it... Because it's not bolshy, like it's no. not it's not endearing a bolshy like Henry Hogg. No, it's <clears throat> it's just a, a, a mad person. Yeah, it's like why do you think you're going to be able to do you're, this? You're, you're tiny by comparison. But ultimately, it's just a series of uh, basically Beaky getting it wrong and injuring Monty in a variety of ways. Kind yeah. of, you know, classic Looney Tunes format. But he's still with them at the end. Yeah, uh, and. And Monty's not very happy at the end. He, he gets he a little bit very kind happy of start. No, but he does get a little bit blown up with a grenade. He does, yeah, with a very, very long timer on it. Yeah, it's a huge timer. That's got to be like a twenty-minute timer. But ultimately, I think at this stage we do have to still assume that our adoption theory is correct, and that these yeah. two sparrows are, for whatever reason, called Gwendolyn and Monty Buzzard. Do you think they used like? Um an assumed name to get into the so country. We st- so are we still rolling with that the, they're German? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're German. Yeah. And but, the, but the thing is, is they're they in America. Sparrows. They are sparrows. Yeah. And, so the, I think, and they are in America now, though. Yeah, my point is, I think they must be, like, accents aside. Yeah. And, and they're not English accents. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> It's like you can't just put a monocle on someone and then speak the same yeah. and presume everyone's going to be like, like oh, he's oh, English, he's English. Yeah. classic English. Uh, but apparently, you can in 1950. Well, when he's called Monty, a monocle on him. I'm called Monty. 
Yeah, but it's Monty with an E. Oh, right. Looking it up. Yeah. With Monty, Monty is in like the man from Del Monte. <laughs> not Monty is in like in Montague. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so we've got to assume they're English, I think, because we've like yeah. Well, well, that's the information we have. Like accents aside. So you're talking about them? They've they've assumed a name to get into the states. Yes, I think so. Do you think? you know, Gwendolyn and Monty Sparrow would have a problem? Well, I'm thinking maybe there's a um, a shortage of buzzards over there. So, you know, we're kind of going for like last name being your job. <laughs> oh, and there's right, a shortage okay. of buzzards. <laughs> so they're like, well, we'll just pretend we're buzzards. Let's go over there and, and be no buzzards. And no one checked that hard. Well, I mean, you know, like if, if you get your, um, to be get fair, your visa birds, sent through. Birds can fly. Exactly. So, so you've just got to have your visa. So if anybody like comes and checks and goes, right, let's have a look at your visa. I mean, it says you're buzzards. All right, you're buzzards. I mean, yeah. Also, like, the swallows, like, swallows migrate, don't they? Yeah. So it's like, it's not like they're coming in on a boat. No. They just fly over there. Yeah. I and mean, then, I think swallows would have to make multiple stops. I don't think they're going oh, to cross so, the Atlantic yeah. in one go. Oh, I think so. You're going to have to go, like, Greenland, Iceland, Canada, America. Oh, yeah, but, uh, but then... They, Up and know. over. I mean, ultimately, you know, if you want to you want to go to states as a British person to actually, you know, work or do anything, you know, just just slip in the Canadian way. Go over to Canada, yeah. become Canadian, and then go to the States. And then get in that way. <laughs> I suppose what they could have done is they could have they could have went on the boat, but rather than getting on the boat at the start, you wait for the boat to set sail, fly onto it, and then fly off. And then and then just before it. you get to the end, fly off. Yeah. Just do it that way. Like, at least that way you're not having to do all the arduous work of flapping all the yeah, way. Yeah, maybe they just flew onto the boat once yep. it had set sail, flew off the boat when it got there, yep. had a little meeting with a bookworm, yep. and he said, I'll make you buzzards. Yeah, yeah. And he <laughs> forges his little documents, and away yeah. you go. Bookworm's a master forger now for those oh, who, yes, yeah, yeah. Who, who haven't been listening uh, <laughs> up until this point. Uh, that's just his role now. That's that's what he does. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's where... Beaky Bicky gets his last name from. Yeah, he's not. He's not a buzzard. But again, no one's checking. <laughs> no, one's, no, no one's checking anything. No, I mean it's the closest we've had. Like, because there's a lot of confusion in the names of characters and episodes. Yeah. Uh, as to what animal anyone is at all. Yeah. Like there are turtles that are definitely tortoises. There's uh, rabbits. Uh, there's hares that are definitely uh, rabbits. Yep. Uh, there's a buzzard that's definitely a <laughs> not a buzzard. Like there's a lot of this going on. Yeah. Uh, and. So I think, although it's shaky, this is still the closest. This is the firmest we've, we've got for his name. And also, like that, if that's a thing, like a, a practice, yeah, then it does go a little way to explaining why the misnomers are so rife. Yeah, well, I mean, like if if, if all it if takes is for you to just kind of change your name on a piece of paper, then... if it's just bureaucratically convenient to just claim you're a different but quite uh, ultimately quite similar animal. Yeah. To the point where it's so rife that, I, no, so rife that no one even considers yeah, the like it, thing it, anymore. It, it's, it's like possibly the rights used to be better if you were one animal or another, you know, so like a hierarchy thing, so you're entitled to more benefits for one or if you were, you know, got better job or, you know, if your pay was just yeah, higher. Possible, which especially especially early on where, like, not only the type of animal you clearly physically were dictated your job, but like, yeah. The, your, your your name yes very much this is my species and job it's yeah my, also my surname yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm reasonably happy with that uh i mean know. it's nice to get a bit of background on beaky 
Yeah, I just thought it was so close because we because we we'd uh, <clears throat> we'd posited that Buzzard was just his surname before. Yeah, and like you know, when, when I thought it was going to be like yes, another Nailed back it. of the net moment. Yeah, but uh, nah, it wasn't quite as clean Not cut. Quite. But you know, but Gwendolyn and Monty Buzzard. They're they're in the mix now. They're quite they're unnamed, so I presume we won't see them again. They're quite but... good characters, though. I would quite like to see them again. Yeah, Monty was hilarious. Yeah, and and not English. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, right, shall we? Uh, skippity hop to the last one. Yeah, we've got Claude, Hubie, and Bertie. Yep, they're back in the mix. Yep, the old team. Uh, it's called the Hypochondry Cat. See what they've done there. I see what they've done there. They've yeah. done it clumsily with a lot of hyphens. Yes. And it spills over to the next line, ruining uh, it a bit. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, please join us for our last episode of this week. Uh, we're watching The Hypochondry Cat. It's a Claude, Hubie and Bertie number from April 15th, 1950. <laughs> Well, a new Toon Power manifests. Yeah. And it's a real curveball, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to the at, that at the end. So uh, Hubie and Bertie are, you know, our, our buddy... Uh, are they mice or rats? I think they're mice. Yeah. Uh, so they, they found a new house, uh, the main appeal of which is there's a massive wheel of cheese in there. I mean, you uh, know, so they, so they move in, post-haste. Yeah, as you do. Uh, turns out this house is also inhabited by Claude. Yep. Uh, who uh, makes to pursue them. Um, but uh, they pass the window that they got in from, and there's a draft, and Claude yep. won't go past it. And then he rushes back to his basket, and he's, uh, you know, he's taking all these things, worried he's going to get a pneumonia or athlete's foot. Yeah, he's like, oh, I could get a cold, which could result in me getting pneumonia or athlete's foot. Um, right. So they realise he's a, he's a hypochondriac, uh, and they play off that. Yep. Uh, they basically, you know, just make up a load of diseases he's got. Uh and all the colours he, he is. All the colours he That's is. Great. Yeah, green, purple, plaid. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they end up convincing him they need to operate before it's too late. Yeah. Uh, and they put on what can only be described as an absolutely harrowing scene where, like, they've got what I presume are egg cups. They're using them as, like, a medical base. And then they put yeah. scrubs on and gloves on. Like, yeah. you know, proper, like, mouse-sized yeah, yeah. You know, surgical stuff. But then they just come in with, like, uh, you know, a... a Big old saw yeah, and a egg whisk, whisk. Yeah. and, and they, axe. There was axe. a there, there was a hatchet there, and they basically you know, they they put a cheek over Claude so he can't see what they're doing, and then they just make a lot of sound effects with those things. Yeah, they slice some cheese, uh, and he has a load of hallucinations about what's going on. Yeah, that's like, one of the best scenes I've seen in it's a got very a long of, time. Um, it's got a very heffalumps and woozles vibe to yep. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a bit psychedelic. It's a bit like, oh. yeah. It was brilliant, though. I really it was enjoyed it. Very good. Uh, but it's just like, oh, we got our brain. Oh, we got. <laughs> it's like, and it's just yeah, like, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Every time he says yeah, yeah, it just sounds like yeah, yeah, and it makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, uh, they are great. But yeah, so basically, uh, Claude, presumably just from the fear, passes out. Yeah. Uh, and when he wakes up, they've dressed him up in a flower sack and yep. put little angel wings on him, and they've made up a grave outside. Yeah, they're having a little funeral out. So when he comes out of the window, he's like, hey, fellas, don't, don't cry, I'm, I'm, I'm still alive, and yeah. they just ignore him, and he's like, but I'm right here, and they convince him he's dead, uh, 
and then they talk about him being a ghost. It's like if you're, if you're alive, like how come I can see right through you? Yeah. And this is where the tune power manifests because they get, although it looks like the X-ray film, like yeah, it, it, it they turns get out to be projector. an X-ray projector. Yeah. They put it behind him and project projects, and he looks down and can see through himself. So Claude, yeah. his tune power really out of left field is that he has x-ray film eyes yeah but i, I mean he, and that's not like he has the only way x-ray vision could sort of work yeah but you do still need an x-ray projector <laughs> yeah yeah there still has to be it's something like projecting x-rays as long as you put my x-ray projector behind <laughs> yeah well that uh, that that power does uh, lend well with his, um, you know, kind of. Oh, I've got this illness. I've got this illness. It, it does it. make sense that he's uh, manifested that power yeah. because it's a great way of going. Oh, I think I've broke my arm. Because I'm presuming for that to work without having it just constantly be just burned into your retina. Yeah, you'd have to have like X-ray film, like you know, in front of your eyes. Yeah, but it would have to work like those reactive glasses that become sunglasses when it's sunny so it, like it shows you the image for a while but then it will just yeah fade and out, then it fades and then you off. can do it again yeah uh but like turns out that's claude's thing uh he's got x-ray vision but, <laughs> but <laughs> the actual way x-ray vision would work <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's not he can see through stuff uh just willy-nilly no he does need x-rays yeah there has to be some sort of x-ray projector i mean it's 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 any any um kind of radi- radio radiation producing things so i suppose maybe you could probably see gamma rays as well so like, like if you had a gamma I don't ray know, projector you're more, you're more experienced with x-rays than well me. yeah but that, it's it, it, it's basically it's just a radiation it's just that like gamma rays are slightly Penetrate more volatile stuff, right yeah uh, well they're also just slightly better at penetrating things than uh, x-rays are well, because you'd they're just more powerful image. you'd get a different image uh well no they, they, they look pretty much like if, if you used a gamma projector and did your hand it would look exactly like an x-ray would right okay. it would still look exactly the same it's just it would take a lot less time right okay and you're gonna get more hurt <laughs> so don't do it yeah, oh no, it's not a good idea. It's not the Cal's X-ray hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, don't X-ray. don't do it. It's bad for your health. <laughs> but you know, Cla- Claude already thinks he's super ill, so he can. Yeah, do it. so it doesn't matter for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't really know what else to take from that. Like, it was one of my favourite episodes we've watched in a long time. Like, yeah, it was really but, good. But the main take-home is that that Claude has X-ray eyes. Yeah, he's got X-ray vision. The uh, genuine, real life X-ray vision. X-ray vision. Yeah, it's how X-ray vision would work. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know, I just, I laughed a lot in that episode. Like, the, yeah. the psychedelic bit in the middle, like, the animation was great. That's an Oscar-winning episode. Yeah, that, that, that should have won an Oscar. Forget that Pepe Le Pew one. Yeah, that, that, was, wasn't that was wasn't even the, the best Pepe Le Pew one. It really wasn't. It's like... I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the best one. Yeah. But that was great. That was, that was top-notch. Yeah. Uh, uh, I highly recommend, you know, you give that one a watch. The mm. Hypochondricat. Uh, which I think you can also... Oh, no, that's the one this week that isn't on a DVD of a film. <laughs> Because uh, the previous one apparently is on the DVD of The Flame and the Arrow. So there Amazing. you go. <laughs> it's like, I, I like this, I like this um, sort of uh, trend that we're yeah, seeing. Yeah, like, like find out which film because, it's on the front of. Because it basically means if I buy a lot of classic films, uh, I can watch good, crisp versions of these cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, you could. It's a shame the Hypochondricat never made it. So uh, if you're listening to this, Warner Brothers, uh, if you could just stick it on a DVD. The Hypochondricat at the start or something. Yeah, put it on like what. Casablanca or something like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a 
Isn't that an MGM number? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It doesn't matter. Uh, so, uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. Like, I think so. We're on a high. We enjoyed the hypochondria cat. Uh, yep. But, uh, you know, I don't want to end on that sort of high. Uh, we're going to finish on a song as has become our custom. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you listen on uh, iTunes, please, please leave us a review. Uh, and otherwise, if you enjoy the show, just tell people about it. Because, yeah. you know, we don't pay for any advertising or anything. Like, you know, we, we get around by people going... I've, I've been listening to these two idiots do this thing. Do you want to listen to that too? Uh, a really good way that. of telling people about it is just to tell them how X-ray vision works and where you heard it from. Yeah, like so. If you've got more fact inclined, yeah, <laughs> like oh, that is how so X-ray vision would work. This one, yeah, find out a little bit about X-ray vision, uh, and then go. Oh, I wonder what other nuggets I could find. And they'll go back to the beginning, listen to all of it, and discover it's none. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be too late for them by then. Yeah, exactly, they'll, they'll be, be invested. So, as has become customary, uh, we're going to finish on a song. Uh, it was referred to by Hercules in the first episode we yep. watched. Uh, it's uh, Feeling Mighty Low by Jimmy Durante. Uh, so, until next week, have a good one. Yeah. See you then. Bye! Bye! Folks, allow me to introduce myself. Jimmy Durante, consultant psychiatrist, who after studying people pro and con and to and fro, I can now announce that people are divided roughly into two distinct categories, men and women. Ignorance of this fact can lead to grave complications. Now I got a patient of mine standing right here and he has a problem. Is that correct, Mr. Candito? Yes, sir. Now this fellow's got a girlfriend who keeps running off with a new guy every day. And I'm going to tell you all about it, because he's suffering from melancholy, neurosis, osmosis, dementia, peacocks, and I better. I better? Yeah. I better start singing before the record runs out. Folks, this is his problem. He had the preacher on a ten-minute notice, had the lease on a small bungalow, but she ran off with a guy named Otis. I'm feeling mighty low. But she came back to him a-crying, and he gave the jeweler his dough. She went flying with a guy named Ryan. I'm feeling mighty low. A ranger named Granger, a perfect stranger, stole a ride out of his arms. A gringo named Bingo spoke a different lingo, wooed her away with his charms. Then she pleaded with him not to doubt her, that he was a favorite beau. But she took a powder with a guy named Browder. I'm feeling mighty low. I'm feeling mighty sorry for you, son. Tell us the story in your own words, verbatim. Had a honeymoon plan for New Haven, but I worked just a little too slow. She got a craving for a guy named Raven. I'm feeling mighty low. <laughs> no wonder the dame left him. His voice is changing. You know, I've made a complete study of this boy, and here are my conclusions. He had an unhappy childhood. He was born one of triplets. One was a boy, and one was a girl. But they never found out what the third one was. When it was three weeks old, it flew away. Now listen to me, son. I'm a practicing psychiatrist, and I want to help you. You need a psychiatrist. Just what was it that occurred between you and this girl? Well, whenever we sat in the parlor, she turned the lights down low and hugged me and kissed me and hugged me and kissed me, and one day I got to wondering. Wondering about what? Where does it get you? 
This guy don't need a psychiatrist, he needs a mortician. He convinced that they were meant for each other. They were married and it set his heart aglow. Since they've been living 20 years with her mother. I'm feeling mighty low. I don't mean high. Feeling mighty low. 